Hello, my lovely people, and welcome to The Fletcher Files, a Murder, She Wrote podcast with your host, Monty. (laughs) This week, we will be talking about The Body Politic, season four, episode 22, the last one of the season, first aired May 8th, 1988. And the IMDb summary reads, Jessica comes to the aid of yet another dear old friend running as a senatorial candidate when the candidate's campaign manager is murdered. Jessica must help prove her innocence. Okay, so let's get into the trivia. So this would be a reunion of sorts for Shirley Jones, who plays Kathleen Lane. And Eddie Albert, who plays Jackson Lane, who both previously starred together in the movie, Oklahoma, 1955. Now let's get into our returners. We have three. We have George Grizzard, and we will recognize him as Dr. Aubrey Benton from Murder Digs Deep, season two, episode 11. We will also recognize him as Professor Tyler Stoneham, the victim, in Murder in a Minor Key, Season 3, Episode 14. In this episode, which is his last Murder, She Wrote episode, he plays Edmund Hall. Our next returner is James Sloyan, and we will recognize him as Lieutenant Spalletti from Corned Beef, and Carnage, season three, episode five. In this episode, he plays C.W. Butterfield. And finally, we have Robin Bach, and we will recognize him as the Mater D in Birds of a Feather, season one, episode four, as well as Ellsworth Buffum, right? <laughs> And Joshua Peabody died here, possibly. (laughs) Season two, episode two. In this episode, he plays the hotel clerk, Preston. Okay. Now the entire cast, we have Kathleen and Jack Lane, Bud Johnson, Arthur Derlinger, Edmund Hall, Lieutenant Gowans, Nan Wynn, C.W. Butterfield, and Cass Malone. So we start out the episode with campaign photos, right, of Kathleen with a voiceover of her being nominated for the primary. So she hasn't gotten whichever political party, we don't know, But she and one other person from that party are running against each other to get the nomination from the voters. So whoever wins the primary will then run in the major election for this senatorial position. Okay, so this is only the first, well, not technically the first step because she had to get signatures and she had to raise funds to even get her name on the ballot for the primary. But the party chairperson and the party have not endorsed either of the candidates. Okay, so 
they're both technically on even ground. So they are both appearing, both candidates for this primary, because they are in the same party, okay? They are on Face the Issues with Edmund Hall. And Kathleen brings up the fact that Arthur, her opponent, can't seem to pay back the $600,000 in campaign funds from his previous, I guess, failed campaign. To which Arthur says, well, I don't have the a millionaire husband, but maybe your husband can pay my debt, you know, considering we're in the same party, ha ha ha. And so backstage, we have Jackson, her husband, we have Bud, her campaign manager, and Nan, one of her staffers. And Jackson is pissed, okay, that Kathleen has to deal with this. Now, it's interesting because I guess because they're on a bigger stage that this is happening, but Kathleen was mayor of some town previously. So she had to campaign for that, but I'm guessing it was much more tame and maybe it wasn't as contentious as the senatorial race, which makes sense. So Nan brings up that Arthur uses the same exact joke in every single debate. And it's it's a much more formal situation, or I should say a less formal debate, right? So they're both being interviewed at the same time. But it doesn't appear that it is, they're not behind podiums and something like that where there's a, a large audience. There's no audience here, I don't believe. So Nan is like, he has that written down. He's using flashcards. You know, he's getting a bit long in the tooth. Not that Kathleen is that young, but she doesn't need uh, to read off of index cards. So CW, who is Arthur's campaign manager, comes over and he's like, oh, well, I guess the ha 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 that's written on the card is working because he's ahead 10 points. So we're back on set and Edmund says, well, there's a rumor that you and your campaign manager, Bud Johnson, are having an affair. And Kathleen is like, what we're not going to do is this because no, we're not. Okay. And rumors demean both of our professions. So how about we move on to facts and figures, right? So Edmund then says, well, five years ago when you were mayor, there were rumors that you were having an affair with a married man. And Kathleen is like, listen, let's put these rumors to bed, not me, okay? And she basically holds her own. She looks directly into the camera, which is looking into people's faces, right? Directly facing these questions, answering them, not stuttering, not stammering. She is smooth with it. And they're reassuring Jackson, like, she can handle herself. Like, don't get emotionally involved with this. So while they're there, Bud calls Cass, who is also a staffer, and she's back at the campaign headquarters for Kathleen. And he finds out that the speechwriter, Harold, has quit. And we also find out that Bud has a wife and kids who are going to be away for the weekend, and he's trying to get a date with Cass. And she was like, listen, 
Okay. We may have messed around in the past, but that's the past. Okay. I'm doing better now. (laughs) My standards have changed, but I, I don't know if they were messing around before his kids came along or what. But she's like, I'm not going to be out here mistressing it around, okay? So the next scene, we're backstage and Jackson approaches Edmund and he defends his wife. He's like, who paid you from Derlinger's camp? Like, how dare you? And Edmund says, listen, you're, she can handle herself. She did well, Okay. And she should be lucky that I'm only discussing issues that are in the public about her. I didn't bring up your tax problems to which Jackson says, well, I paid every penny that is behind me. And Kathleen being on point and gracious, right? Ready. She stay ready. She gives Edmund a kiss on the cheek and she's like, thank you. You've given me my next stance. I am going to appeal to every single American who has been audited by the IRS. It's going to be a slam dunk. And like, listen, that's a lot of people. Okay. Cause the IRS be trying to get their money. Okay. And they don't care what your situation is. He just happened to be able to pay it. Okay. So there's going to be a lot of people that that message speaks to. Like, listen, we, even us, even these rich people, Okay, with businesses and political connections, the IRS came for us and it was a to do. So we understand, you know, we understand the stress of that. So the next scene, we're still backstage and CW is approached by Nan, who is like, oh, well, Kathleen is closing in. But CW is like, yeah, but she's not going to win. And when my candidate wins, that being Arthur, there's going to be a lot of open staffing positions in preparation for the major election. And Nan is not impressed. But CW has done his research. He was like, you were the top 10% at Pepperdine or Pepperdine. Because Pepperdine is a real university, but whatever he said, I don't, I don't know if that was a real university, <laughs> but prestigious in the Murder, She Wrote universe. So Nan declines and leaves. And Edmund then approaches CW as they're leaving the building. And he basically says, hey, that story about Kathleen and Bud, that was an exclusive to the post. If you have any other dirt, bring it to me directly. Don't give the post, which is a newspaper, the exclusive, give it to me. Right. And CW says, well, we're not looking into anything, but if we find something, if there's anything to be found, it'll come to you, but it'll be from an anonymous source. So Edmund says, I understand. So the next scene we're at the hotel check-in with hotel clerk Preston. Okay. <laughs> and that wig. Okay. That, that toupee is toupeeing. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> he can't seem to find Jessica's reservation. Kathleen, who invited Jessica there, comes down and to greet her and it's like, Hey, yeah. So 
I had Bud, my campaign manager, secure the room for you. So she goes up to Preston and she's like, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you ensure that Jessica has a room next to mine? And he's like, yes, if there's anything available, we'll definitely do that. Who are you? Okay. <laughs> Which she wasn't being, you know, arrogant or anything like that, but that was humbling for her. And so Jessica's like, what, people don't know you? She's like, no, still, they don't. And Jessica says, well, I thought you were up in the polls. And Kathleen says, yes, but this is the primaries. And if it's not a presidential election, people do not care, right? They're not invested in the outcome of the primaries. Side note, yes, the primaries are as important as the main election, because if somebody who you want in office, right, doesn't make it past the primaries, then they have no chance. So yeah, all voting is important voting. Back to the show. So Kathleen says, you know, I knew that there would be scrutiny, but it's, it is difficult being in this fishbowl. And it's really taking a toll on her. But Jessica is like, well, you know, well, the fact that she was mayor before, but I think this is so much of a bigger stage that she probably thought, okay, if I could survive running for and being the mayor of wherever, then I know how to run a campaign. I know what it takes. I know the hours and stuff, but, you know, they're going for a statewide position, right? So they have to go to all the small towns and all of this, as opposed to the mayor, where you're in an area of a much smaller area where you can go to the supermarket or go to the mall or have a speech here at a stadium and have all of the people come or a majority of your party come to that, as opposed to having to go to them for a senatorial campaign because people live all over the state and may not be able to access the major cities. So we find out that Jessica is there to make a speech on behalf of Kathleen, right? Because she really believes in Kathleen's positions. And so Kathleen brings up like, hey, there's an issue with my speechwriter. They quit. Um, can you help a sister out? And so Jessica's like, I, I don't know about that. And Kathleen convinces her to, at least for this week, you know, assist in writing, helping to write her speeches. So the next scene, we have Edmund receiving an anonymous tip via phone. He then goes to the bus terminal and the payphone is ringing. He answers the payphone and the caller says to open the phone book, which he does eventually. Like, we'll cut through the fat, right? There's a key to a bus locker. He then walks over to the lockers, unlocks it, and there's an envelope inside. We find out that what's inside that envelope are eight by 10 photographs of Kathleen and Bud. Okay, so now, now we find that out a bit later, but that's what's in the envelope. The next scene we're at Kathleen's campaign headquarters. 
with Nan, Jessica, and Bud. And we find out that Kathleen won't be coming in until late because the state party chair wants to speak with her. And Nan says, maybe he's going to endorse her. And Bud said, or he's going to let her know that he's going to endorse Arthur. So the next scene, Jessica is in her hotel room and the 11 p.m. news comes on. And Edmund is the anchor at 6 p.m., 11 p.m. And then on Sundays, he has his separate show, Face the Issues. Okay, so 11 p.m., Edmund is the newscaster. And he presents the photos of Kathleen and Bud on a beach looking very hugged up, not necessarily romantic, romantic, like they're not kissing. Okay. They're not kissing. They're not touching inappropriately. Uh, their, their arms are wrapped around each other. The way it's explained later is she was consoling him. Not that he was upset, but he was being a pouty baby and she was being playful with him, right. To cheer him up. And so I, it reads like that. Like if she told you that and you looked at those photos, you're like, okay, okay. It didn't, the way his body language was, it did not look like it was a romantic interaction if you really looked at it. But it's salacious. She's in a bathing suit and a cover-up. He's in his bathing trunks, you know. And we find out also from Edmund that Jackson was out of the country at the time. And so Jessica goes, she calls Kathleen's room, no answer. She runs out of her room. I guess she knocks on Kathleen's door and then heads towards the elevator. Nan is coming out of the elevator and she's like, you know, they're like, yeah, I saw the news. And Jessica says, well, Kathleen is not in her room. Nan says, Bud is not in his room. So the next scene, we hear ambulances and police cars. We see Kathleen pull up to the front of the hotel. She gets out. There is a crowd gathered next to the hotel, like right in front of the hotel, right? So she walks over and Cass is like, he must have fallen off of the balcony. Kathleen looks down and Bud is dead on the ground. There is like, it's not super graphic, but there's definitely like um, blood on his, in his hair. Like it's, it's more graphic than normal, but not like law and order forensic files you know, gory. So they embrace. So Cass, the staffer who Bud was trying to get in her pants and Kathleen embrace after seeing this uh, terrible, just traumatic sight. So the next scene, Lieutenant Gowan has arrived and he believes that Bud killed himself, that he jumped from Kathleen's balcony. And the lieutenant believes that Bud killed himself after seeing the news report, knowing that this would end her political run. So he killed himself. Okay. And we find out that he was wearing a robe that came from Kathleen's room. And inside the pocket was Kathleen's bracelet, right? So she was like, well, I probably took it off when I took my shower. That's why it's in the pocket of that robe. I don't know why he was wearing the robe because I wasn't here. I just got here when they were covering up his body. 
Like I have not been here all night. And so the lieutenant leaves and to go to Bud's room, which is across the hallway. Jackson calls and he's in the car on his way to the hotel because he went home. So after the news program, right, the one faced the issues that she was on, he went home and she went to the hotel because early the next morning they had to go to whatever the next stop on the tour was. He was going to meet back up with them over the weekend because he owns businesses and has companies and stuff like that, that he needed to deal with those things. So that's why he was going to meet up with them on the weekend. But Jackson tells her that you can't, I don't mean to sound cold, but you can't let Bud's death stop your campaign. And Kathleen says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up. Right. So now we're in Bud's room, which is across the hall. And Jessica brings up the facts that the fingerprint person was unable to find any fingerprints on the handle to the balcony. And she brings up the fact that if he was going out to the balcony to end his life, why would he have wiped his fingerprints off of the handle, right? So this piques the lieutenant's, you know, interest, he goes back in to speak with Kathleen, who says that the photos were taken while she and Bud were at the lake cabin and that there was nothing sexual about this at all, right? It was out of, the pictures are out of context. And the lieutenant was like, okay, well, where were you, you know, when Bud died? And Jessica steps in and she was like, weren't you meeting with the party chair this evening? To which Kathleen said, well, the lieutenant was like, uh, I thought you were her speechwriter. Are you her spokesperson as well? So, so Kathleen says, actually, I did go to meet the party chair. However, when I got to his house, no one answered the door. I got back in my car. I waited about a half an hour and then I headed back to the hotel. So the lieutenant asked, was anybody, did anybody witness this? And Kathleen says, well, the valet at the hotel, I pulled up right as they were covering up Bud's body, right? As the lieutenant continues to look around in Kathleen's room, he picks up a slip of paper that Jessica sees. And he's like, what are these numbers? And it says AD 56 slash KL 43. And Nan, I believe is there at this point. And she says, oh, that's the poll numbers. I slipped it under the door. And Jessica says, well, okay, but then why is it on the table? So the next scene, we are in Kathleen's room. Jackson has arrived and he asked her and she denies that she had an affair with Bud, he believes her. And this is when she explains what happened, that they had been playing ping pong. She won. She beat him. Okay, like embarrassing. And he started to pout. And so she 
felt bad for him. So she gave him a hug and, and tried to console him. And so Jackson was like, what was the score? And she said 21 to three. She dusted him. Okay. I believe that. Um, and I believe she dusted him. <laughs> he was just shamed. And so Jackson accepts this explanation. So the next scene, a press conference has been called and Kathleen says that she's staying in the race, that the photos were innocent and they were taken out of context. Jackson says he's up there with her, that he totally believes in her fidelity. And a reporter asks, well, who took the photos? And Kathleen says, who do you think? Who stands to gain from that? And a different reporter says, oh, Arthur Duringer. And Kathleen says, you said it, Harry, not me. This garners some laughs. Then Edmund stands, well, no, then Jackson asks, well, since we're asking these questions about the photos, Edmund, how did you get the photos, right? And Edmund is like, I don't have to reveal my sources. I'm ready to go to jail to protect my sources, okay? And... So Edmund then brings up, well, you know, you told the police that you weren't in your room at the time, but died. And she says, correct. And so Edmund says, well, he let, he jumped out from your room. So I'm assuming he had a key. And at this point, Jackson and his 68 year old behind, I don't know if he's 68, but he, oh, he like dives off of the podium, right? The stage and tries to get at Edmund. Like that man was going to strangle Edmund. He had like, he had the fury of how dare you question my wife's fidelity and try to undermine her integrity. I'm about to kill you now. You, violence is not the answer, but I'm not mad that he was like, I'm about to defend my wife. I'm about to whip your behind. Okay. <laughs> now this is a millionaire. Okay. This is a millionaire. And he was like, I'm going to let y'all know that I got my wife's back and I believe her and I believe in her and y'all aren't going to be up here disrespecting her or you're going to catch these hands. Okay. Edmund almost caught those hands. Okay. Old or not. He was catching a whole two-piece and a biscuit, okay? <laughs> they should have let Jackson go and, and knock him good. Two good times. Two good times, and that would have been it. Anyway, so the next scene, we're at the precinct with the lieutenant who now believes that Kathleen killed Bud, but he just can't prove how she did it, Right? And Jessica says, well, isn't it possible that Kathleen was framed by somebody who wants her out of the political race? To which the lieutenant says, yes, well, that's crossed my mind. And Jessica says, well, the next time it starts crossing your mind, please stop it halfway through and consider it. <laughs> she says, I've known her for 17 years. She's not the type of person who would kill anybody. She is innocent. And whether you believe it or not, I'm not going to allow 
her to have this dark cloud over her of suspicion because you don't have enough to put a case against her, but you have enough to create enough suspicion that she has to fight against this seemingly unending issue. And Jessica then storms off and she is on the case. And the lieutenant's like, okay, (laughs) what am I going to do? All right, handle it, ma'am. So Jessica then goes to the hotel and she bumps into Edmund who asks if she would like to get onto her, onto his show, face the issues and promote her book and also perhaps talk about some personal information that she knows about Kathleen since they're such long-term friends. And Jessica says, oh, like the name of the doctor she allegedly was seeing while she was mayor. And Edmund says, well, the public loves a peek into candidates' personal files. And Jessica says, well, I will go on your show only if you reveal the source of those photos. And Edmund says, well, the truth is, I don't know. I got them all clandestine. I don't know who provided them to me, right? And he then brings up Because you can't trust a scammer, okay? If they're willing to scam for you, connive for you, sneak and scheme for you, they will do exactly the same to you, okay? With not a batting of the eye. Whatever is best for their bottom line is what they'll do. And Edmund is the exact person who will kick you in your shin if it'll help him get more viewers, okay? He don't care. So Edmund says, well, I will tell you because I'm untrustworthy and can't hold water that CW claimed that he had dirt on Kathleen, but I can't swear that it was the photos that I got in a bus station locker. Okay, I can't say that this is what he was talking about when he said he had dirt on Kathleen. And so Jessica says, well, I'll think about going on your show. And Edmund was like, well, think quickly because I have an offer out to the grieving widow. And if her and her lawyers agree on the numbers, they get first dibs. I'm like, oh, he a terrible person. Okay, this is really a commentary on politics as well as the media and how they handle everything, but especially like, gossip, rumors, and their thirst to destroy people when they have the opportunity to. So that's deep. So the next scene, we are in Kathleen's room with Jessica. And Kathleen is like, what confuses me is that his clothes were in his room, but he was found dead wearing my robe He would have had to cross the hall naked. He would have had to come from his room to my room naked. And Jessica says, unless what I think is that he was lured to the room, murdered, then the killer took his clothes, Bud's clothes, that is, back to his room using the room key that was found in Bud's back pants pocket. And Jessica asked, well, you know what? Did you speak with the party chairperson to chairman to ask like what, what the deal was, why he wasn't there when he allegedly called to set up a meeting. 
And Kathleen says, well, he said that he never made the call. Nan is the one who gave me the message. So Jessica says, well, it could have been someone pretending to be the chairperson and left the message in order to lure you from the hotel so you wouldn't have an alibi. So Jessica then asks, well, what has Nan said? And Kathleen says, well, I can't get in contact with Nan. So the next scene, we're at the Derlinger campaign headquarters and the lieutenant has arrived. Now, Arthur Derlinger, so Arthur, he was doing a a political commercial. It was a positive one. He wasn't saying anything crazy about Kathleen, just like about why you should vote for him and his policies or whatever. As they're taking a break to reset up the shot, the lieutenant comes. And we find out from the lieutenant that Kathleen is now 12 points behind Arthur. Now, she started at 20 points behind. She was down to seven points behind, according to that slip of paper. Now she's at 12 points after the scandal has broken. And so the lieutenant asks, where were they between 10 and 11 p.m. the night that Bud died? So CW says, well... Arthur was winning a man of the year award. So we, both of us were at the ceremony from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. And the lieutenant was like, well, I'm told that you left at 1030. To which CW says, well, we were in the car by 11. We went straight to Arthur's hotel and we were there until about, well, there until after midnight. Isn't that right, Arthur? And he says, yes, (laughs) question mark, if you say so. And so the lieutenant leaves as Jessica is being dropped off by a taxi. And the lieutenant says, well, you know, your speech about, you know, tying up loose ends really touched me. And so that's what I was trying to do, but I haven't gotten anywhere with it yet. So Jessica then goes in and she's speaking with Arthur and CW And she asks about the photos and CW says, we had nothing to do with that. And Jessica says, well, what would be the reason for someone to sneak around with a long lens to get photos of a potentially inappropriate situation, then give those photos to Edmund Hall, unless they were purposely doing that to smear Kathleen. And I'm told that you guys have a file on Kathleen. And Arthur says, the only file we have on Kathleen is regarding her issues, right? Her position on the issues. And the fact is, we're not even that far apart on those issues. We do not do any dirty tricks. That's not what my campaign is about. We're clean cut. We're on the up and up. We had nothing to do with the photos or a smear campaign. So as they're talking A door opens, a woman, Nan, yes, Nan, a staffer from Kathleen's own camp is a traitor, double agent, Nan, okay? Walks out, looking down at a spreadsheet saying that looking at the numbers, Kathleen Lane is dead in the water, right? So... Nan and Jessica then go for a walk and Jessica is like, what the actual hell is going on? Okay. 
And then says, I promise I was not a spy for the Drellinger campaign. And Jessica says, well, you're the one who took the message from the party chair. And Nan says, yes, the person said that they were an aide to the chair, uh, the, the chairman of the party. And Jessica says, well, I thought you believed in Kathleen's message. And Nan was like, listen, what I believe does not matter. The facts are the numbers, okay? The high dollar salary that Drellinger was offering me and the ugly numbers that showed how Kathleen was not going to win this race, okay? I had to secure my future, basically, okay? Beliefs be damned. Now, the fact is they are still in the same party. So it's not as bad as if she crossed over political lines. Now, there it's a primary. So these are candidates from the same party and they probably do have many of the same ideals, but different ways to get to them and different issues that are close to their heart, right? So there, there's definitely room for differences. It's usually not extremely different in the primaries. It can be, it can be. But this isn't as disheartening as, or as scandalous, I'll say. It's not as salacious or scandalous as her switching parties. Then she would for real be a spy. Okay, you can't, you, <laughs> okay, that there's a difference. There's a difference. So we find out from Nan, she's just like, listen, Kathleen does not have a chance in hell to win this. Okay, I have made my decisions. Okay. <laughs> and so she, Nan explained, she was like, listen, when Kathleen started, she was 20 points behind, then 12 points behind, then five points behind. And now she's 12 points behind. It might've been, it, there may have been another number after 20 not, that wasn't 12, but you know what I mean? And so Jessica's like, whoa, whoa, wait. Um, she was within five points of Derlinger. And Nan says, yes, the day that Bud was killed, she was within five points of him. And Jessica was like, but the note that you left had seven points. And Nan says, oh, well, that was a mistake. I was fixing it. You know, people make mistakes. So yeah, she wasn't seven points behind. She was only five points behind. And Jessica has an epiphany, okay? Because Nan says the only people who knew that were me being Nan, the lieutenant who found the note, Jessica, and I think Kathleen maybe. I don't even know if Kathleen knew, but it was very few people who knew the seven points, right? Because the release that they put out was corrected and it said five points. After having this epiphany, Jessica then goes to Kathleen's home where she has called a press conference and Jessica bumps into Edmund. She's like, oh God, this guy again. And he asks, well, oh, is she throwing in the towel? What do you know? Tell me, tell me. And Jessica's like, I don't know. Okay. I hope not. I hope she fights through this. Okay, sir. Why am I wasting my time talking to you? 
Because my problem with you is you really sensationalize this. You drag this woman through the mud and you want to act like you're a news person. No, you're a tabloid connoisseur. Okay, that's what you're a tabloid peddler. That's what you're doing. And so Edmund says, listen, listen, I just report the news. I don't make it. To which Jessica says, what you report becomes the news. You decide what's important. And you seem to confuse what's important with sensationalism. And he then says, listen, okay, the news is boring. The facts are boring. I have to keep my audience entertained And Jessica is like, why don't you focus on the issues? Issues are boring, okay? I need something to grab their attention because their attention spans are short. Like I gotta give them a splashy, salacious situation to keep the ratings up so I can continue to get paid. Hello. (laughs) Nobody, this makeup and hair is not free. These suits are not free. Okay, people need to see me on TV. Okay. Trash. That's what it is. Anyway, so Jessica goes into the house where Kathleen and Jackson are. And Kathleen is like, yeah, it's this is a wrap. That's why I called this press conference. Jackson says, I can't convince her to carry on. And Kathleen says, listen, when I started out, I was at 20 points. I was able to close the gap. And when I was the underdog, I had all of this support everyone was championing, championing me and for me. But as I closed the gap, they started to tear me down, right? And this has cost me my dignity, my privacy. It's not worth it, right? And Jackson is like, well, we're still suing Edmund Hall and Channel 8, right? And Kathleen says, no, no, no. I just want to be done with this so we can move on with our lives. So Kathleen then goes out. Jessica asked Jackson to stay back. She wants to speak with him. Kathleen officially withdraws from the race and she asks that the party continue to look for an opponent to go against Derlinger and don't give him the endorsement by default. Now inside Jessica is speaking with Jackson and she says, I know who took the photos, gave them to Edmund and lured Kathleen away. So Jackson, he's not really paying attention too tough, too tough. He's listening to Kathleen and he's like, oh, she's so gutsy. I'm so proud of her. You know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take her away for a while so she can relax and she can decompress after all of this. Right. And. Jessica is like, you know what? You were Kathleen's most dangerous opponent, not Derlinger. And he's like, what are you talking about? I spent over a million dollars to launch her campaign. I've been supportive. And so Jessica says, I'm sure at some point you were excited about this and you believed that this election would benefit your businesses, right? And your business deals. But as she continued to get closer to winning, right, the media started to dig and you couldn't handle that scrutiny. So Kathleen had to drop out of the race 
because it was getting, they talked about your tax problems, which you thought were behind you. And you thought that if they kept digging, they were going to find stuff that you did not want them to find. And you didn't expect them to do this. Now, stepping to the side, I'm guessing again, that when she ran for mayor, it was probably beneficial to his business ventures, right? But it probably wasn't as contentious as, because the stakes are so much higher as a federal senator than as a mayor. It could have been a big town. Like obviously it's extremely important for the people in that town that she was the mayor of Absolutely, for sure. And, you know, vote in your local elections because those are extremely important. But I don't think he, I think he thought that that scrutiny was, he survived that scrutiny. But on this level, he wasn't ready for this. He thought that the same way the mayoral candidacy helped his business ventures this would just do even more so for it, right? But in order to get the golden ring, there's a long path that involves scrutiny down to the color of your drawers, okay? (laughs) They will find the kid that you picked on in elementary school, okay? They will find them and have them on Gale, okay? They'll be on the talk, everything, okay? If need be, they'll find things that you forgot that you did, okay? So, and you got to think that this was 1988. So those photos that they got, right, were revolutionary. Not that they didn't have cameras and stuff like that. That's how they did it. They got those clandestine photos to blackmail people or to smear people, right? Now they can go back into your internet history. People tell on themselves. They go back on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They can find out your entire history. People put old photos up too, connect with certain people, things that you said when you were in high school now look real bad when you're running for office. mm He wasn't ready for this. And in 1988, they still were getting some stuff. All right. There was a lot of stuff in writing. Okay. There's a lot of stuff he probably had to file for those businesses. There's a lot of hidden money situation that they could have access to look into because this is for a federal government position. Okay. So Jessica then says, back to the story, right? The lieutenant has now come into the house and Jessica says, you're the one who took the photos. And Jackson says, well, I was out of the country. How could I do that? And Jessica says, yeah, I'm sure they keep good records these days. And Jackson says, lieutenant, don't believe this, the ravings of this woman. And the lieutenant's like, yeah, not a problem at all. Let me see your passport. To which, (laughs) why was he surprised that he was asked for his passport? Because he said he was in the Bahamas. He should have said that he was in the U.S. Virgin Islands where he would not have needed a passport. Now, I don't know if you need a passport to go into the Bahamas now. Like, because you don't for Puerto Rico if you're a U.S. citizen. Okay. 
he should have said like St. Thomas or something that's a U.S. Virgin Island where you would not have needed a passport to get into. Okay, he wasn't, mm -mm. He he's a smart businessman, but he wasn't, the common of the senses wasn't there. He wasn't a good schemer. That That's what it is. So he's like, oh, oh, um, maybe I wasn't in the Bahamas, but I didn't take those photos. Why would I do that? And she says that, Jessica then says, you're the one who took the photos. You gave those photos to Edmund Hall. You faked the call from the chairman of the party, okay? And Jackson's like, that's crazy. The next thing you're gonna do is say that I killed Bud. I was 40 miles away. I was here at the house, right? And Jessica says, oh no, but that's the impression that you wanted to give as you called from your car phone. But at the time of Bud's death, you were here in Kathleen's suite. And Jackson says, no, that's a lie. Jessica says, Nan slipped the poll numbers under the door. And the lieutenant said it was 56 to 43, a seven point difference. That was the number that you shouted out at the press conference the very next morning. And Jackson says it was seven points to which Jessica says, no, that was a mistake. Nan was correcting it at the time that you were killing Bud. And so Jackson gives it up. He says that Bud figured out that he, Jackson, was the one who took the photos and so he, he, now Bud wasn't trying to blackmail him or anything. We didn't hear anything about what Bud was planning to do with this information. But because Bud knew and unfortunately revealed that to Jackson, okay, without a further plan, I'm guessing, Jackson figured that Bud's suicide would put an end to the campaign, despite the fact that he was like, don't let this Cause told Kathleen, don't let this stop you from your campaign. Don't let his death stop you. That's exactly what he wanted it to do. So he admits that he called Bud's room and told him that Kathleen had returned and wanted to speak with him. When Bud came into the room, Jackson had brought a hammer from home, hit Bud in the head, undressed him, put him in Kathleen's robe and threw him off the balcony. My thing is that old man couldn't have thrown that guy off the balcony, but we're going to just let that narrative fly. Okay. We're going to just let that narrative fly. I guess maybe he was super desperate and he just got the strength of survival to throw that man over the, the balcony. Okay. That, that's what we're going to go with. That's what we got. So we find out why Jackson did this, right? Cause Jessica was right. The additional scrutiny from the media was the problem. And Jackson says that he wasn't a choir boy ever in his business dealings. So basically like I have done shady stuff in the past and currently to make the money that I make and to be as successful as I am. And my business associates were getting nervous and they are dangerous people, basically. So he couldn't take the chance 
that they would get nervous to the point that they would kill Jackson or his wife. Okay. So it was Bud or him or possibly Kathleen. He didn't want to gamble that. So he's like, all right, I can't convince her to get out the race because I can't do this change of course at this point, right? Because I have to be the supportive, devoted husband. How can I get her to drop out of the race? So I'll scandalize her. And when that didn't, well, no, actually it was at the same time. So I'll scandalize her. And now that Bud knows that I'm the one who took the photos, I got to get rid of him. And then getting rid of him, this will end her run for the campaign because it's going to look like she did it, right? That she was having an affair with him, that maybe he wanted to break things off. So she killed him or now it's been revealed. So she kills him, right? And so this cloud that Jessica had been talking about because the case would go unresolved because there wasn't enough evidence to convict her being Kathleen or anybody else, right? So this cloud would be so heavy over Kathleen that she would either continue to run and lose or drop out to spare any more harm to her family. And seeing the way that she cared for her husband, she would have, as she did, drop out of it because it was getting personal. It was getting dirty. It was getting nasty. And she did not want to go through that anymore. And she did not want to put her husband through that anymore. So he knew that because of her love for him, this would cause her to drop out of the race. So as he is breaking down at the fact that he killed somebody, right? And now his wife is going to find out that he killed somebody, okay? And was going to go to prison for decades and probably likely die in prison. Kathleen is finishing her speech that she is getting out of this fishbowl and returning to being Mrs. Jackson Lane, the devoted wife to a loving husband. And she's looking at towards the house. And my thing is now he's crying Right. And then he's like pulled away from the door by the lieutenant and she sees this and has no reaction. I'm like, how far are they? Because I feel so then Jessica's standing in the doorway and she just shakes her head because it's a travesty. Right. So that's that on that. Right. Now, let's get into some of the issues. Okay, I think that I now have mixed feelings. Okay. (laughs) Remember going into this, I said that I was fine with the person who was murdered, but the person, the murderer was what I didn't like. Right. But upon watching it again, okay, because it's been a long time since I have. Bud was not a good person in the sense that he was trying to get with Cass, had previously got with Cass, has a whole wife and kids. But I don't think that he was having an affair with Kathleen. I don't think he was. 
I think he already had a good position. So he didn't need to sleep his way to the top. He didn't need to sleep his way to money or anything like that. So I think that he was, I don't think he was sleeping with Kathleen. I don't believe that Bud should have been murdered. Okay. So I take that back. He wasn't an angel, but he wasn't, he was a casualty. That, that makes it worse. And then we have Jackson, who comes across originally as the devoted husband, right? And I'm on the fence about this because he shouldn't have murdered Bud. I understand why he did, but Bud didn't do anything to anybody, okay? Even if he would have said, oh, he was going to try to blackmail me, he, but he didn't. But he didn't. So we can't even hold that against Bud as potentially using the information about him sabotaging Kathleen's campaign, him being Jackson, right? So my can my fenceness, okay, <laughs> my indecisiveness with regards to Jackson is because if he wanted to get his wife out of the race and he felt that he needed to kill Bud, I got that. I understand that. Not right, but I understand that. But the reason he wanted to get his wife out of the race is because it was potentially dangerous to him but I could see how it was also potentially dangerous to her because if they couldn't get to him, she was easier to get to before she got into Congress. Cause if she's going to all these, for lack of a better word, podunk counties and cities and stuff like that, where she doesn't have, she doesn't have security or anything like that. His business associates could go after her, kill her to make an example for him. Okay. So that's a for real concern. So that that's why I'm like, ah, I see. But on the other side, he encouraged her to run for this position because he thought it would benefit his businesses and his business dealings. Okay. So it wasn't for so it wasn't for completely virtuous reasons. Now, we take it a step further. If her desire was to run for this position, right, all along, let's say she became the mayor and she saw how much more effective she could be as a senator, a U.S. senator for whichever state they're in, then... Jackson supporting her and putting this money behind her so her dream could come true and secondarily realizing that it was a benefit to his businesses makes it a bit different because if his primary reason was to support his wife and his wife's dream, that is a noble cause. And it just happens to also benefit his business dealings. That's a win-win. So 
Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm conflicted because if his, if it was to support his wife is why he encouraged her and supported her in running. And then he had to kill Bud to get her out of the race to protect both of their lives. He's not a hero, but he's a little less disgusting than if his whole purpose for supporting her and encouraging her was solely because he wanted to make more money and be more successful in his businesses. Her, you know, her desires be damned. And then he had to kill Bud to get her out of the race because he was only concerned about him not dying, being murdered by these shady business associates. Then he is the worst of the worst. Okay, so I, how do you guys see it? Do you see it as he was supporting his wife and then there was the benefit of his business dealings doing better? like they did presumably when she was the mayor or, and that he wanted to get her out of the race for both of their protections. Because my thing is he knows these businessmen. I, and I use that loosely businessmen loosely, but he may know that they weren't going to come after me. They were going to come after her to get to me right? Murder her like in front of my face to get to me. Or do we think that he had unsavory intentions from start to finish? That was a hundred percent his own behind, right? Fill his wallet with her to her running and winning and him saving his own neck by killing Bud to get her out of the race. Y'all let me know. Okay. So the episode was better than I thought. Okay? <laughs> or better than I remembered. I should say better than I remembered. Also, it is a commentary on the media. It's a commentary on politics. It's a commentary on women running for political office. And you see how they kept going to rumors of affairs, even back when she was mayor, that is how they were trying to get her to no longer be mayor, right? Was the rumors of an affair and it did not work. So here on a larger scale, that was their go-to before Jackson even came up with taking these photos, okay? Before that even was in the mainstream, these rumors were the go-to, okay? So we see, we see that even in 2022, that there are certain areas that they will go to when it's a woman who is running for a political office versus when a man is running for a political office, okay? Despite, it doesn't matter which party it is, that you can see the similar tactics, both media and within the party, how candidates are, what they have to deal with. So yes, are things exaggerated for TV? Of course, both in real life on the news (laughs) and in this episode. But yes, I think it was well done. And 
although I'm on the fence about the murderer, I don't think that Bud deserved to be murdered. He, he was unfaithful and that's not great. I do not condone or endorse that. But that doesn't mean that someone should be murdered. Even if he was having an affair with Kathleen, which I don't believe he was, I really do believe that Kathleen was devoted to Jackson. I I honestly believe that. I don't believe that she was having an affair with Bud. I think she saw him as like a mentee, as like, he was young enough to be her son. So maybe even like that as a motherly figure to him, I could see that happening, you know? And especially when she said, well, he started to pout when I beat him in ping pong. So I was consoling him. That's a very, you know, compassionate, typically motherly way to handle something. Even though he's a grown man, she still felt compassion towards him. and was like, oh, ain't nobody see you lose. So I like you getting all upset. Ain't nobody here to see it. Well, we didn't know about the camera, but ain't nobody see you lose <laughs> ping pong to me. But yeah, so there's no winners in this. I feel bad for Kathleen because when she finds out all of this, it's like, I didn't even sleep with him. Why didn't you just come to me? And and that's the thing. Jackson should have just gone to Kathleen and said, listen, you continuing on in this race is going to make things dangerous for both of us, okay? And the people that I deal with, you know, he could even say the people that I deal with deal with shady people. And I've now become aware of that and I'm kind of stuck, but I want to protect both of us. And in order to do that, you're going to have to withdraw from the race. He should have been honest and sat down and talked to her. And the way she comes across, she would have said, okay, got it. I will join the PTA. I will join the homeowners association, whatever, the Rotary Club, something like that to keep me busy and active in local goings on. Right. But I won't run for this federal position. If you're saying that I'm putting us in danger by doing this. I'm not going to do it. She would have withdrawn. We wouldn't have an episode then, but that would have resolved this because as much as she may have wanted to be a senator so that she could, you know, do much, be much more effective on a bigger scale, that Jackson was the most important person in this equation. And if their safety was at risk, she wasn't going to risk that for some position that's going to put you out there and put you in more danger, to be honest, you know, (laughs) not just his shady business associates, right? So all he had to do was have a conversation with her and be honest. And she would have believed him. Okay, she wouldn't have questioned. She wouldn't have been like, Jess, I don't know if I should believe him. She would have believed him. She would have forgiven him for getting them, you know, dealing with these shady people or dealing with people who dealt with shady people. And she would have just like insulated herself 
found something to do where she could be productive and effective without the media scrutiny getting into their lives. Anyway, so he made, Jackson made horrible decisions from day one. Okay, even if he had good intentions, at first he made horrible decisions every step thereafter. Okay, okay. Anyway, so for real, that's it. Okay, that's it. <laughs> that is the last episode of season four. In a few days, I will be releasing the season four wrap up. And then next Sunday at 5 p.m., I will be releasing season five, episode one, JB, as in Jailbird. Okay, so until then, you can find me on Instagram at the Fletcher Files Pod on Instagram, on Facebook Meta at the Fletcher Files Pod page on Facebook Meta. (laughs) And of course, in the description box is my Patreon link, the Fletcher Files Pod on Patreon. Over there, there's a lot a lot, a lot of content. I have put up Helped to Death, the Chronicle Mysteries movie, number five, okay, the last one of the current series. So that review is up. And the review for Murder, She Wrote novel, Trick or Treachery, is going to, uh, maybe up already. <laughs> if you're subscribed, you'll know. If you're not, get into it. Okay. (laughs) Until next time, promise me you will have an amazing week and I promise I'll do the same. Until next time, bye.